Greetings, CRC Planning. It is May 11th, 2016. You're listening to the 27th episode of the CRC Planning Audio Stories series. Today, I want to talk about a book that I just finished called When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And it's a book I just finished this morning. And I think it's a book that's going to stay with me for a very long time. It's... I... I want. I decided to do an audio story about this rather than do a general blog post because there's just so much that I wanted to say about this book and I felt that this was the best way to talk to you about it. So this book, I saw it a few months ago in a local bookstore, um, ordered it online and have been reading it over the past few days, stopping and starting because there's so many gems in this book and it's just been an incredible journey. I really, I want to give a copy of this book to everyone I know. It's just a fantastic beautiful, incredible read, and one that has a power, I think, to really shape the way you live your life if you're attentive to its lessons. And this book, it's it's a book about the life of Paul Kalanithi, and he's a, a neurosurgeon who, at the age of about 36, passed away from lung cancer. And that's not a spoiler. You find out from the very first page that he has passed away from the disease. There's a, uh, a forward in the book by Abraham Verges, who has written Cutting for Stone. I think those, that's one of the books that he's written. And it's, it's a beautiful forward about how meeting Paul changed his life. And it's a, it's a powerful introduction to the book. And so there's no spoilers of, is he going to survive this disease? Is he not? But despite you knowing that from the outset, or perhaps because of it, it's an incredible book about looking at death and understanding and how death and also the reality of death shifts your values and how death clarifies what it is that you want. Um, The story is about Paul, who is, by all accounts, an incredible individual. He has a master's in English literature, a philosophy of medicine. He went to medical school. He's a neurosurgeon, and not just a neurosurgeon, but an incredible neurosurgeon who's done very, very well at his studies and in his field and has accomplished great things. And he's at the point of his career where all of the building that he's been doing, and at one point in the book, he says, my whole life has been about building potential, but everything that he's been building, the long hours in residency, the the grueling schedule, it's all about to come to fruition. He's about to graduate from his residency program, um, apply for jobs, and really he's done so well that pretty much any job is his for the taking. Um, his the, the hours that he's putting into his career has ramifications at home and he's married and he talks in the book about um, him and his wife having, you know, that being a source of tension in their marriage about how he's just putting so much into this, uh, the career that he has that it's causing discord amongst them. Um, but he's there, he, He's firm and and confident that all this is about to recede. He will start this new career. Everything will recede. Everything is sort of less intense than residency. And then he starts getting back pain. And it's really intense back pain. He thinks it's maybe just from the stress. And he goes for scans. And ultimately, it ends up being lung cancer. And then everything shifts. And for his age and for the type of, you know, given the kind of cancer he has, it's such a small likelihood that he would have cancer, but indeed he is part of that small likelihood and, and he does have it. And the book is about both his life and he tells the story of him growing up and, and the, the questions that he's wrestled with about meaning, about philosophy, about trying to understand suffering, about trying to understand um, life itself and how he got to neurosurgery. And then also him talking about his 
journey as a patient and how being a patient is so very different from being a doctor um, and what being a patient was like for him and, and what it taught him about life and what it taught him about living um, before the ultimate point of death. <clears throat> and it's, it's beautifully written. It, it's mind-boggling to think that someone who is going through cancer treatment, wrestling with big life questions, trying to understand how they're putting the pieces of their life together, could could put together such a book. It's just incredibly um, well-constructed and, and thoughtful and soft and strong and so many other words, vulnerable. Um, it it comes from a space of someone who is who is clarifying great life questions, but the fact that he had the presence of mind to do it and the commitment to do it is really incredible. And and so some of the things that I found really fascinating with this book, he talks about how his doctor, whose name is Emma, <coughs> refuses to talk mortality with him. And so he's, you know, there's graphs that talk about the likelihood of le- the life expectancy that you have once you've been diagnosed with cancer. And she just, one of the first questions he asks his doctor is, what is my mortality? What is, how much time do I have left? And she says, I will talk to you about any other question, but I will not talk to you about that question. Um, and her approach to him is that he needs to clarify his values. What is important to him? Is surgery important to him? Is going back to work, you know, and going back to work important to him? Does he want to spend time with his family? And he says, I can't make those decisions without knowing how much time I have. And she says, y- you kind of have to. Um, and he says, because, and he's, he, it makes him really think deeply because he feels his values would change with time. You know, if he has a week, if you have a week, you would spend time with your family. If you have five years, then yes, surgery. Um, eventually, he gets to the point where he says, you know, I've spent a third of my life preparing for surgery, preparing for the career that I have. Yes, surgery is very important to me. And he changes his physical therapy goals. So before, his goals were about, um, in physical therapy, were about becoming himself. And he felt like part of who he was was someone who was able to to run or someone who was able to go for a bike ride and his physical therapy goals were getting to the point where he was able to do that. Um, and then he, when he realizes that he wants to re-enter the OR, his physical therapy goals become about re-entering that space. It's about gradually increasing, you know, being able to stand, um, being able to do fine motor skills, um, and being able to do the tasks required of a neurosurgeon in the OR. Um, and he gradually increases his time in the OR until he's taking on pretty much a full caseload. The other things he has to ask himself is, is parenthood important to him? And he talks about in the book, um, wanting a child, you know, always wanting a child, but feeling that the, the best time to do that was after residency. And suddenly he doesn't know how much time he actually has. And so do you still, in that context, do you still have a child? And he goes through various scenarios, um, uh, if if they have a child and he dies, then his wife is a single parent. If they have a child and he dies, um, she has his child. <laughs> if they don't have a child and he dies, it's easier. Um, it may be an easier process of recovery and, uh, and of grieving because his wife wouldn't be a single parent. If they don't have a child and he dies, he will have never had his child Lucy, his wife, will never have had his child. And himself, Paul, will have never have had a child. And so all of those, the exact same set of circumstances with the same answer, having a child, not having a child, depending on the values that you attach to things, uh, sound very different and have different meanings for you. 
And so what is striking about this book is he is describing not so much death, he's describing life. He's describing living through the questions we all ask ourselves or need to ask ourselves because ultimately we don't know either. He doesn't know if he has a year, whether he has five years, whether he has 10 years. Um, no one actually has that information. And so getting to the crux of what is it you truly want to do with your life is something that each person needs to wrestle with. Um, the end of Paul's journey is death. And you know that from the first page. But his journey and his life, I truly believe, has a potential to change the way you live yours. Because, or And it, to each one of us, I, I, I'm still thinking about this book. I've had conversations at home um, with my husband about this book. And this morning, we were sitting having breakfast, and I got to the end of the book. And the last paragraph just reduced me to tears. And my husband looked up, and I'm I'm sobbing because... Um, the way he describes, it's just, I, I don't know how to describe it, but the last paragraph is, is particularly beautiful. And the, the last paragraph that is not written by him or the, the, the last chapter is not written by him after that last paragraph, um, and is written by his wife. And that chapter is incredibly beautiful as well. It's her perspective on their, their journey and, and, and what happened, how he died, where he's buried, um, how things have been for her afterwards. Um, and I think this book leaves you very moved because it is a story and the words of someone who's being incredibly honest and, and brave and confronting questions that are ultimately about every person's life. At the crux of this book is the question, what is it you want to do with your life? And kind of do that thing. And what strikes me about this book is he was happy with every stage of his life. He was happy doing his master's in English literature. He was happy in medical school. He was happy figuring out the philosophy of medicine. All of those stages were difficult, but brought him meaning in different ways. Um, he says in the book that if neurosurgeon was a job, it's one of the worst jobs. It can only be considered a calling. And he says he imagined his life, you know, the first 20 years that he would be a neurosurgeon, neuroscientist, because neurosurgeons don't just do one thing. They generally combine with another thing. And the neurosurgeon, neuroscientist uh, combination is one of the most challenging and uh, rare combinations, but indeed it is combined in him. Um, but he said that he would have spent 20 years in his scientific career, in his medical career, and then he would have spent 20 years writing. But now he doesn't know how much time he has, so he's trying to figure out the balance of what he's going to do with the remaining time he has. He's most likely in that second half of the 20 years, but he's still practicing, and it turns out he, he, he did write as well. So the lesson of this book is, what is it that you want to do with your life, and how are you bringing it forward in your daily life? He talks about parenthood. He talks about his career. He talks about the kind of relationship he has. Each of us will have different things that we bring to the table that we that we wrestle with. And this book is a reminder to just to just do it and to um, and to bring those values more alive into your life in a way in the way that you would if you knew you only had a little bit of time to live. And it, in in reality, we all only have a little bit of time. The second lesson from the book is it asks you what is the core of you and how do you enact that core? So he knew he was running, he was biking, he was in surgery. These were things that he had to have in order to feel like himself 
in a small way, um, and a really a large way, in a tremendous way. And the book then asks you the question as you read of what is the core of you and how are those things part of your day. And finally, for me, it, it really asks the question of what fights in your personal life go away in the face of limited mortality. Um, he talks in the beginning of the book about this marital stress that he was experiencing, that the, the, him and his wife, Lucy, were both experiencing in a time of you know, great stress because residency is very stressful and and long hours. And then when they found out he had a terminal illness, um, that really clarifies things. And they were one of the best, um, they, she, Lucy describes as I'm getting to the, to the meat of their marriage. And, and Paul in his words, in his writing says that they were very, very good at, you know, when they were in couples therapy, the, the therapist said that you're remarkably good at, at uh, dealing with this, um, but I think their their story of of love is incredibly strong and moving and wonderful, and the conflicts that you have on a daily basis or that you have about your relationship and the meaning of your relationship change when you realize that you have limited time with that person, and and when you realize in a very real way because you've been told by a doctor. Um, but again, that is something that is true for all of us. And and knowing that it is a limited, that your time with the people that are important to you in your life is very, very limited and precious and dear, um, it changes your perspective and it and it tends to eliminate certain fights and, and certain conflicts. It's the commonness of the story, I think, that makes us so powerful. It's about death. I was talking about this book at work today and, and saying that it's, you know, just so incredibly moving and powerful and, and incredible. And someone was saying, I couldn't read a book like that. It's so sad. And I don't think this is a sad book. It's not a book. If it was a book about someone going through violence or child soldiers or war or um, something that was horrible and uh, gruesome, I couldn't read this book. This book is sad in the sense that an incredible person left the world, but it is not sad because he went through an experience each person will go through and did it in, I feel like, the best way possible. This story is about someone who achieved excellence in their life, and even in their death and in their meeting of death, there was excellence as well. And it's uh, it's a very powerful, powerful book. So this book is called When Breath Becomes Air. I can't really talk about this book enough. Um, it's going to stay with me for a very long time. I'm so glad I have a physical copy of this book that it's not a book that will go back to the library. Um, I want to for this book to become a part of me and, and to be a part of our lives and, and something that reminds me that life is short and to do the things that need doing and the things that I want to do with my life. Uh, Till next time, this is Seriously Planning.